Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and this week I'm reviewing some brand new research on the types of strategies that are most effective in changing people's behavior for the better. So if you've ever struggled to change a bad habit or to develop a good one, you won't want to miss this. Could your eating habits be a little better? Well, you're in good company. Despite decades of haranguing by parents, health professionals, government agencies, and podcasters, the average American is still taking in too much sugar, too many highly processed foods, and too few fruits and vegetables. We're taking in too many calories and too few nutrients. As a result, we tend to be both overweight and undernourished. The causes of these dietary indiscretions are well-documented. The proliferation of cheap, high-calorie, and hyper-palatable food and beverages, as well as the normalization of huge portion sizes and constant snacking, have created an environment and culture in which it takes superhuman effort and willpower to not overeat. The question is, how do we change all this? Put calories on restaurant menus? hide the ice cream in the back of the freezer, serve dinner on smaller dinner plates, post healthy eating messages in cafeterias, break rooms, and on our refrigerators at home. You name it, someone has tried it. And many of these strategies work, at least a little. But are any of them really making a dent? What are the most effective ways to encourage healthy behaviors that will ultimately result in improved health? A pair of French researchers, Romain Cadario and Pierre Chandon, set out to find out. They identified 96 different research studies that employed various strategies for nudging people toward healthy choices, and they compared their results to determine which seemed to be the most effective. For this particular study, the researchers calculated how each nudge impacted total calorie intake. Now, admittedly, reducing calories is not the only way that a nudge might improve your nutrition, but with obesity being such a primary concern, it's certainly relevant. And this metric does allow us to compare the effects of a lot of different types of interventions. A nudge, in this case, was defined as anything that altered people's behaviors without outright forbidding something or using economic incentives. For example, if an employer wanted to encourage their employees to drink less soda and more water, they could remove all the soda from the vending machines or double the price of the soda so that the bottled water was much cheaper, but neither one of those would be nudges. A nudge is something that influences the choices that you make or, in the language of the researchers, alters the choice architecture without removing your ability to make or afford a different choice. And the researchers found that nudges divided themselves into three categories. Cognitive strategies try to affect what you know. They aim to make you think a bit more before making your selection or taking a bite. Cognitive nudges include things like adding calorie counts to restaurant menus, Or in the case of our employer who wants their employees to drink less soda, a cognitive nudge might be to hang a poster next to the soda machine showing how much sugar is in a 20-ounce bottle of soda. Another type of cognitive nudge is using logos or icons to identify healthier choices. So putting a heart icon on high-fiber cereals or a little broccoli icon next to lower-calorie menu items would both be examples of this type of nudge. Over the past 10 or 20 years, 
a lot of energy and money has been invested in cognitive nudges, like adding calorie counts to menus and changing the way calories are displayed on packaged foods. Unfortunately, of all the three types of nudges, cognitive strategies are the least impactful. In terms of average impact on calorie intake, cognitive nudges reduced typical intake by about 64 calories per day. The second category of nudges are affective strategies. These try to change the way you feel about a food or a behavior without necessarily changing what you know. Affective nudges include applying appealing words and images to healthy choices. Instead of offering you a side of carrots, I might offer you citrus-infused glazed spring carrots. On a menu, I might include beautiful photographs of the salads, but not the fried foods. Another type of affective nudge is known as the healthy eating call. This is when a sign or a server suggests that a certain choice is more desirable. Would you like to split a dessert with the table? Or we can substitute a salad for the fries if you prefer. Or our pasta also comes in half portions. Instead of trying to inform you about the nutritional attributes of a food, affective strategies focus on making certain foods more desirable or influencing how you feel about a certain choice. These appeals to the senses and the emotions are somewhat more effective than appeals to reason. In terms of reducing calorie intake, affective nudges are almost twice as impactful as cognitive ones, reducing energy intake by about 130 calories a day, or about 7.5%. The third category of nudges are behavioral strategies. These try to change what you do without necessarily affecting what you know or what you feel. In fact, behavioral nudges can function without you even being aware of them. One popular category of behavioral nudge is making the healthy choice the easy choice. For example, placing green salads in convenient grab-and-go containers at the center of the store, but having the fried chicken in the back of the store, where you have to wait in line for a deli worker to put it in a container for you. Another example of this type of behavioral nudge is to put the vegetables and the grilled salmon and other healthy items at the beginning of a buffet line and the less nutritious items like biscuits or macaroni and cheese at the end when you have less room on your plate. A third category of behavioral nudges is to use smaller plates and containers for calorie-dense foods like pasta, chips, or soda, and larger plates and containers for healthier, lower-calorie dishes like salads, vegetables, water, and cut fruit. As you've probably anticipated, the behavioral nudges were the most effective of all. Overall, they reduced calorie intake by more than 200 calories, or 12%. And in particular, changing the size of the portions and the plates was the most effective of the behavioral strategies, reducing calorie intake by more than 300 calories per day. If this strategy sounds familiar, it's probably because I was just talking about this very concept in my episode on portion distortion and how to reset it just a couple of weeks ago. The results of this analysis show why research like this is so valuable. We've tried a lot of different ways to push back against an environment that seems hell-bent on making us heavier and less healthy than we want to be. And the most effective strategies are up to six times more impactful than the least effective strategies, which up until now have been where we've been investing most of our resources. It turns out that when it comes to making healthier choices, knowing more 
doesn't always translate into doing better, but we are powerfully impacted by ease and convenience. So how can you take advantage of this in your own home and life? How can you make the healthy choice easier and more convenient for yourself and your family members? Things like keeping healthy choices front and center and unhealthy foods out of sight really can make a difference. Serving dinner on smaller plates and wine in smaller glasses can too. And for more strategies like this, see my articles on why we overeat and ending portion distortion. I have links to both of those in our show notes today. And if you're looking for more support on creating the mindset, habits, and behaviors that lead to weighing less without dieting, check out our free Weigh Less Life Facebook group or visit our website at weighless.life. You'll find a transcript of today's show along with links to the research that I reviewed and several of those related episodes at quickanddirtytips.com, where you can also subscribe for weekly updates for all of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcasts. The Nutrition Diva Show is researched and written by me, Monica Reinagel, edited by Karen Hertzberg, produced by Nathan Sems, and our team at Macmillan Audio is headed up by Kathy Doyle and also includes Morgan Ratner, Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, and Kate Hines. But the most important person on our team is you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.